never heard of a penis. <laughs> so I guess it must be penises. I've never heard anyone say penis. Well, now you have. Yeah, so it must be penises. But who knows the rules and the laws and everything's changing all the time. So. back for probably the most exciting episode of Interstates and Heartbreak to date. We have a guest who many of you have been very excited to have on the podcast. Whether you know it or not, you probably have had a lot of questions that you would hope to ask this person. And this is the guest who knows me better than anyone else. She has known me for the entire 30 years that I've been alive. It's none other than my mom. (laughs) Thank you, Leslie. I must say it's very strange. This is not who I am doing this interview. So thank you for having me on. Honestly, thank you for being a guest on the podcast. And I'm really excited to dive into quite a few things. And I think that, you know, you have been a consistent topic or subtopic on the podcast since episode one, Interstates and Tinder Dates. And so you probably, given that you listen to most of the episodes, I mean, full disclosure, there are some that I say you can probably skip. You probably have a few things that you want to address about either stories that I've told, things that you want to clear up, maybe opinions you have about the podcast, and now is your forum. Well, yes, thank you. The very first thing is the very first episode I was mentioned, and I didn't come across in a particularly good light, especially when because I didn't know where you were. And I freaked out a little bit, I guess, after watching all these horror stories sometimes <laughs> in movies, your brain plays tricks and so i called verizon and um you guys probably heard the story already so i didn't look good in that episode for a brief i know some people might have heard it but for anyone who didn't hear essentially i was at my ex's house for the weekend and i believe you knew that and because i didn't answer my phone for like a few hours it was under 24 hours my mom tracked me down and ended up yeah, you just have just listen to the episode. Just listen to interstates and Tinder dates. But yeah, it was honestly very impressive that you were able to get the information that you got in order to track my whereabouts. Well, the main thing is because I didn't I didn't really know the person and that was my concern. This, so you thought he was a murderer? Not really, but anything uh, can No, happen. the answer no, is no. No, no. <laughs> no, I did not think he was a murderer. I just was a little bit concerned. And I overreacted, and I apologize for that. From the bottom of my heart, I apologize. The <laughs> other thing, too, is I think especially mothers want to make certain that their daughters, their children meet somebody so that they can experience life to the fullest. I think life is so much better when it's shared, and you know that there's this one person who you're going to be number one to always. You will come first, and that is what most parents want. And for reference, this, I assume, (laughs) is in relation to the time that you grilled me about my dating status 10 minutes after I came home. I think so. And again, instead of asking, I jumped to conclusion I should not have. So again, I apologize for that. And as parents, we don't get any rule books. You know, we just make it up as we go along. And it's always out of love. It comes from a place of love, I must say. That's very true. That's fair. And I've always known that but I wanted to give you an opportunity to address it on the show. Well, the one last other thing that I'd like to address is when you mentioned in your solo episode that you were 
you were always late. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I know somehow that goes back to my West Indian roots where it's Jamaica time, where you arrive a couple of minutes later than is expected. And I've since changed that. And I'm now much, much better because I'm no longer in Jamaica. So there. Yes, years there. later. Years later. Years later. You know, habits are hard to break. But eventually, I'm there. And as far as the podcast is concerned, I do share my opinions. And I, I'm a bit of a more private person. And so sometimes I'm a little bit weary, for lack of a better word, of some of the discussions on the podcast. Anything in particular? Anything in particular. Yes, I just think that some things should be personal. People (laughs) you have dated and what happened. Some things that might not have been particularly positive. Just just a little bit more private. I don't think that um, something should be spoken, especially in a public forum. Wow, and you haven't even listened to my two episodes with Nick, imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, and I don't think I... I I want to. I don't think you do either. (laughs) But, you know, for those of you who haven't listened, it's one of the juicier ones, so have to give the people what they want. Oh, I don't know about that. Anyways. Anyways, well, now that we've cleared that air, I will, I guess we can dive into why I brought you on the podcast. And so my mom is a biology teacher for anyone who does not know. Um, She teaches at a high school in San Diego. And so now we are teaching remotely, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, which I, having it taught for two years, I can only imagine like what a nightmare that is, because I think one of the main joys of teaching is all the crazy things they do in the classroom but you're pushing through. The one key thing about teaching remotely is that there's a typical unit that you have that you're not allowed to teach remotely. They started off saying that we should not teach sex ed over Zoom. (laughs) And then, well, most of us teachers didn't want to anyways. We're thinking that we don't want to do this over Zoom. We'll wait until the kids come back in the classroom. But I think the department is also realizing that, hey, we might never get back. Never. Well, not for this year. I I can't wait for the kids to get back. But now they have created a PowerPoint that we should be teaching. And I haven't even really looked at it because I'm still keeping my fingers crossed and hoping that we get back. And I will not teach sex ed by going through a PowerPoint. It's, It's not the same, just like anything else. We need interacting and we need to interpret, not just sitting and looking at slides and saying X, Y, or Z. So if for whatever reason we don't get back pretty soon, then I will start thinking about how will I go about doing the sex ed over Zoom. Well, do you have any ideas? Because if not PowerPoint, what would it be? Well, now with the Zoom, very, very few kids are interacting. You can't even see most of the kids. Their cameras are not on. And so it would be just on discussion. And it will be interesting to see how it works. I would have to pick and choose the slides that I use for the Zoom, if it's over Zoom. So thinking back to my experience of sex ed, I remember very little. There are two things that stand out to me. This is no shade to the teachers who taught me sex ed. I don't know why it didn't stand out, but this is less about the curriculum and more about the experiences. So one thing that happened, I remember we had to watch that video. I think it's the miracle of life where at the end they show a woman giving birth and somebody in my class fainted. (laughs) And then another thing that I remember is we had a simulation where we had to exchange like droplets of water or like beans or something to reflect how an STD can be spread. 
So it's like one person started out with it. And then like, as you exchange with three people, you see how many people had it at the end. And the reason why I remember that is because there was a guy in my class who I had a crush on at the time. And I think I remember him walking up to me and being like, let's do it in regards to exchanging the beans. And I was like, so mortified. That's all I remember. So from your description, what is in-person sex ed typically like? What does it entail? In-person sex ed. Well, we do still show the miracle of life. And funny, there is a new version of it. There's an updated one, but I don't like it very much. It, it goes into more a lot of personal stuff and it leaves out a lot of the details about even conception. And so I still showed it miracle of life. However, I always pause the video. Once the woman is laying in the bed, I pause the video to let kids know if you're really not interested, you can leave the room, you can close your eyes. You know, it's almost at the end of the class anyway, so it's okay for you to leave. And a lot of kids will close their eyes and some kids will be modified. And in one year, a teacher came into my room just before the woman was laying in the bed ready to give birth. And I totally forgot. <laughs> and so the video ran and the kids, the kids all saw it. And the kids went on to another teacher who I really like. He's funny. And he, and he goes, oh, Miss Ball has harmed me for the rest of my life. <laughs> and so he was busy texting me. What did you do to the kids? Why did you do that to them? But it was not intentional. It was by accident. Um, in-person sex said there's just a lot of discussions the kids will ask questions that are relevant to them i show like condoms we have a penis that a wooden penis <laughs> that i have to demonstrate how to use the condom Wait, do you have the wooden penis here no i thought about that just as we were about to start but a couple of things about a wooden penis i remember this kid he was very controversial he just likes to say the most outrageous things or even things sometimes that were relevant and he raised his hand and he says, I'm going to contact my district person because I want to know why are they using taxpayers' money to make this wooden penis? <laughs> and I said to him, question. I said, yes, yes you, you can contact them, but this is what we're supposed to use. And he says, why can't you use something else? And I said, <laughs> we're not allowed to use a banana. But why? I don't know. We were never, we were told that we could never use a banana. Is it because I, it's curved? No, but the wooden penis looks more like a penis than the banana does. So is, okay, can you describe the wooden penis? Like how big is it? How accurate is it? Is it more like cartoonish? Is it more anatomically correct? It is anatomical correct. It doesn't have the testicles, but it's very anatomical correct. Free, Every, free flowing penis. Yes, everything looks like a regular penis except it's wood and it, it can stand because it has a round base. It's about... I would say about six inches long. And what is the circumference? I'm, I'm not even sure, but it's, I think it looks like a regular size penis. So would you say this is San Diego Unified's like stance on the average size of a male penis? I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if there's a stance, but it does look like a regular penis. And this I need to add. I remember one year a kid insinuated something about teachers taking the penis no. um, and I, I couldn't just let that go because he said it in front of the whole class and I had to correct him but That's I, terrible. I said this just goes to show you what you don't know because I said this would not be very comfortable for anybody yeah because this is a wooden <laughs> thing that doesn't give there Ew. is so and and of course the class laughed but i couldn't just let it go because then he's insinuating something that 
Amazing true. Is there a vagina that is modeled? No, we do not model the vagina. Why is that? I don't know why that is. We have pictures of the vagina and we have pictures of the penis, but we don't have a vagina that is modeled. Um, the kid already has a problem with the district spending taxpayers' money <laughs> for the wooden penis, so I can't imagine. I would argue that money spent on a wooden vagina would be put to better use because everyone understands what the penis looks like. It's all out there, right? Like we all kind of know what it is. There's no like secrets, but with a vagina, even some women, I would say, don't really know until they reach a certain age, like what's inside. Some people don't know that there's two different holes. And I feel like it would be more important to have a vagina that models all of the parts. It would be very elaborate, I believe, to design the vagina, but at least we show images I don't know. It's not the same. Yeah, it, it might not be the same. And um, speaking of the vagina, yeah, we demonstrate how to use the male condom. Mm-hmm. And then there's a female condom, which I've never seen anywhere. I've even gone to... <laughs> Elusive. The, <laughs> I've even gone to the pharmacies to find out, is there a <laughs> female condom? And they look at me like I'm weird. And um, I'm just <laughs> curious because I don't know anybody who has admitted to using the female condom or ever seen one. And so I'm just always curious, where is this? Did they make it specifically for the district? But I don't think they did, but it's not known. When you're teaching it, is there like a benefit to using a female condom versus a male condom? Like what's the justification for why someone would buy one over the other? I don't think there is a justification that at least a female, like for instance, sometimes we have a double standard. If a woman is on a date and she pulls out her condom, especially the high school kids, they feel like if they were to pull out the male condom, it suggests that they are promiscuous or they're doing this with people. And right or wrong, people want to maintain a certain reputation. So maybe if there's a female condom then they can say hey this is a female condom and i have this what no it's the same condom that you're using it for the same reason well maybe maybe i don't also see the female condom being particularly popular it doesn't look very attractive it looks more like a square a rectangle rather with two circles at the end of it one end is to assist in inserting the condom inside a woman's body and the other one is to kind of cover over the entrance of the woman's genitals. That, I can't even envision how that would work. <laughs> I will say, I think I did hear on one of the podcasts that I listened to, they have like a segment and it's awkward sex. So someone each week will write in a story about like something that happened to them mm. that was awkward. And one girl wrote in about this guy who had a female condom and he ran out of regular condoms. And so they used that. So they do exist, but maybe his mom was a biology teacher. <laughs> maybe. Because there are a few I've never, I've never seen it anywhere. I've, and I've asked several pharmacists and they don't know of it. Mm. Well, if anyone sees one and sees it in the wild, take a picture, um, (laughs) tag Interstates and Heartbreak. I would love to see it. So, okay, I would love to dive into what the actual curriculum is for sex ed. And so there are a few topics that you cover. So it's reproductive anatomy, STDs and HIV, contraception, sexual assault, relationships, personal health, gender roles, and making decisions. So some of those are pretty straightforward as to what they are, but then there are certain topics where I'm really curious to hear how the curriculum handles those. For example, with relationships, I feel like that's very vague. So is that 
interpersonal relationships? Is it just the sexual part of relationships? Like, what does that look like when you're covering it? Well, no, especially and rightly so, some aspects of this sex ed program, there are a lot of parents who are in total disagreement with some of the things that are taught. So it's not just about any kind of a sexual interaction. It's about relationships, period. And so we have some rules and to help a child to understand what is important in relationships but it more is viewed as a comprehensive sexuality and so comprehensive sexuality talks about sexuality and shows that sexuality is not just about sexual intercourse or kissing or anything it's comprehensive like for instance you deal with communication how do we communicate if you're in a relationship the communication is key you need to know exactly how far one is willing to go and to what extent what are you expecting from this relationship the other one is values what are your values if your values are different from somebody else's values like somebody who's honest and somebody who's monogamous than somebody who's willing to run around like i remember there was a kid who said oh i i'm having sex with all these females he was a football player all of the girls want to have sex with me what am i supposed to do and so if you're going into that then you know that that's not really a relationship because he's not interested in the same thing that you might be interested in then we have personalities we have different types of personalities some people are funny some people are more serious and so that also goes into the decision we have body image how we see ourselves right if the kids don't feel good about their body images then you tell them what can you change what are the things that you can change about your body image and what are the things that you can't and how do you learn to accept those things and realize that people will accept you as long as you also accept yourself Hmm. we look at for instance physical expression like you have some people who know p what is it pda Mm-hmm. Right, no PDAs, and then you have some kids who are expressing so much affection in public that sometimes teachers have to get involved and break them up. Um, I can remember a kid who um, he was a senior in my class, and he was dating a girl. And every lunch he, they would be so close together, he was literally pinned her against the wall, and all he's telling, "Move away, move away, move away." And um, the next year, I had the girl in the class, but I didn't know that. And I talked about this fellow that this was not a healthy relationship. The fellow always had a girl pinned down against the wall and that they were always together every single lunch. There were no other interactions. And that's not good because if you break up, then you have nowhere to go because the, you know you have lost your connection. And the girl came up to me afterwards and said, Miss Boff, I was that. <laughs> girl oh my God. and i apologized to her i said i didn't recognize you i didn't realize it was you and um, my apologies and she said no i was right and that she was young she was a 10th grade at the time and he was a senior and so she felt like he he cared about her because he wanted to be with her yeah we also have gender identity and self-image gender identities how do you you know see yourself we do have kids who um, identify as one particular gender and the sex ed program must and I always make sure that the kids realize that they didn't make themselves and they can express who you know don't be afraid to be who you are people will accept you as long as you accept yourself and don't feel badly about it and sometimes you can see the kids who are leaning one way or another whether male or female before they even know it and so I always address it and make sure you know you're comfortable with who you are and don't be afraid of who you are and of course the self-image is easy to change who do you want to become how do you want to express yourself 
And there's a lot of talk these days about bullying, bullying, bullying. But I find that the kids who are confident and who are comfortable and who feel at ease, they have a so much easier time. And the bullies kind of just walk away because they're not going to get a rise. They're not going to offend these kids. Yeah, that makes sense. And first of all, I think it's really great that you teach all of these things. And again, because my memory of my sex ed experience is a little bit spottier, maybe some of those things were taught, but I'm certain that it was not taught in that level of depth because I just think it's really important to talk about all of those identity and healthy boundaries issues and how to have a healthy relationship because while it is something that you have to experience, it's very helpful, I think, if you can have someone kind of outlining red flags that you might not be aware of when you're that young in particular. Well, and to add to one of the things with this Zoom is that the kids are not going to ask certain questions and they can't come to you privately. So kids would come up to me privately after the fact, like one kid said that he was dating a girl and she just wanted to spend all her time with him. He couldn't hang out with his friends and play video games. And he wanted to know, how do I break it off? Because every time I try to break it off, she would start crying. And I said to him, just be nice. You don't need to share the information with your friends. Don't talk about dumping her because we're not garbage. Just tell her that, you know, you enjoy her company, but you think it's time to end the relationship and take the blame for it. Don't let her feel badly because that is so important and it might not seem that way. But there was a kid a few years ago. He had left the school that I'm teaching at and he was still dating one of the girls and the girl ended the relationship. And he posted a whole lot of things on social media and then committed suicide. Oh, my God. Yeah, and the kid really affected this whole school. It affected the school, the kids who knew him. Luckily, I didn't know him and I didn't know the girl because it really, it's it affects teachers, even though it might not appear that way. It affects the teachers too when you know the kid. So it's good to let them know that, okay, it is going to hurt but we get over it and you might meet somebody else who is so much better for you and life continues it's not the end of the world because somebody broke up with you yeah like it's always going to feel horrible in the beginning especially if you've never been broken up with before but unfortunately that is something we go through in adult relationships yes it is So you mentioned that, you know, one of your concerns is that the kids aren't going to be able to ask you questions over Zoom. So typically, as you're going through the curriculum in person, what are some of the questions that you get? And what are some of the most common misconceptions you find that high schoolers have about things? Well, because of the Internet, they have so much knowledge. They can access information. And so they don't really have an awful lot of misconceptions. What I find is that they don't know a lot about the anatomy, but so they will listen to questions about the anatomy. Granted, guys are not particularly interested in hearing about the menstrual cycle when we're discussing that and I can read their body languages. See, this is why we need vaginas <laughs> in the classroom. Well, but the vagina, they are interested in listening about the vagina. Oh, just, just only three out of four weeks. <laughs> well, just not the menstrual. I'm not interested in that part. And I I guess I can understand it. Other things, I don't think they really have necessarily misconceptions. The more things they want to point out to the kids is that, for instance, teenagers, especially the boys, if you open the biology books that are in the classroom, there's so many drawings of penises. And so I want to always... No drawings of vaginas. None. Common theme. Never, never, never. 
all kinds of penises with all stages of the sexual process. And so I always want to tell the kids that, you know what, you again didn't make yourself. If you're having all these urges, it's not something bad. Kids might think that I'm such a pervert. I'm always thinking about sex. And so it's really, really important to let them know that, no, this is a natural, healthy part of the relationship of growing up. And what you do about it is also your business, so to speak. If you are ready to have sex, then you don't force someone right you talk to them if you're talking to somebody and they're not ready then it's okay to break up the relationship and says i am ready for the next stage of the relationship and you're not so let's part our ways we can still be friends so it's that's the main thing about it making certain that they realize it's a healthy natural part and when we teach sex said we have to use the right terminology with the kids and let them be aware that the um, breast and vagina and the penises are a regular part of your body, just like any other organ, the heart, the liver. And then the kid goes, oh, so if it's a regular part, why can't I just walk around naked? Okay, well, your heart <laughs> and liver aren't exposed either. So <laughs> you should say that next time. I just tell them that because it can elicit some kind of sexual response. And the society decided that we should wear clothes because you don't want people getting any kind of sexual ideas and what if you're all walking around naked in the classroom you already know how easy it is for your brain to start thinking about sex and so to be distracted something to that effect fair yeah so are there any specific sections of the curriculum that generate more questions than others or are there certain maybe questions that come from the girls versus the boys more often. Talking about the anatomy sometimes can generate questions when we talk about communicating and sex that can come in. And I remember the girl, there's there's this particular time when the girls were saying, you know, sometimes the guys don't understand that they just want to hug and to cuddle and they don't want to go any further and you, that's all you want in the relationship. And I remember this kid, he was a really skinny kid, he was a junior, and he raised his hand and he says... Who wants to eat half a cookie? And the- that is wild. <laughs> a wild thing for a high schooler to say. For anyone to say, but especially a high schooler. He was that kind of a kid where he wasn't afraid to express himself or just give his opinion. And so all the girls, like, they were wanting to kill him. Some of the guys gave him some air... No, <laughs> of course they did. And then some other guys were, they're dating girls, so they don't want to be on the back side. <laughs> so they're kind of squeamish, not really doing anything, just kind of staying in the middle so that the girls don't get upset with them. The girls who they're dating don't get upset with them. But yeah, that was one of the um, major things that I remember that happened, that I just had to stand there and wait for them to quiet down. So what did you say? I said, that's where communication is key. Communication is key because it's not bad if one person is ready. You know, it's your life. You get to decide how you're going to live it. So if I am ready to go ahead and have sexual intercourse and you're not, then you shouldn't be telling me that, no, you should wait. Yeah. Yes, you can say, but if you love me, you would wait. But in high school, too, with all the hormones and everything, it's difficult for a guy. So I said, you know, there are other people who would be ready to have relationships so you can break off, still be friends, and find somebody else who is ready, and the girls can go with somebody who is okay with waiting. I have a question. Yeah. I have to say, and granted, when I was in high school, you were my mom, and now we are having a conversation with you as a sexual educator. You are coming across as very sex positive. 
How do you feel about people having sex in high school, really? <laughs> Every year we have open house. And so we get to meet the parents. And I have to inform the parents that I am teaching sex ed. And that the sex education is not about telling your kids that it's time to have sex. I remember making a joke that at some point in our lives, unless you're identifying as asexual, at some point in your life, you're going to want to have sexual intercourse. And it's a good idea for you to feel comfortable with your body and to know what to do and to approach it as a positive, natural, healthy part of life. And I'll make the joke, even if you want to have sex while you're in high school, that is a decision for you to make. And it's especially in high school, you need to be knowledgeable so you know how to protect yourself and you don't feel less than you're not, you weren't forced into it. Or if you want to wait until you're a 40 year old and be like a 40 year old virgin, at that point too, you still also need to understand. Fair. Watch in the 40 year old virgin, clearly he did not. And then I, you know, I, I loosen it up a lot I, it, so that the kids feel comfortable. You know, especially with the juniors, I might make a joke and say, okay, you would have missed a lot if you wait until you're 40, but not to say you should be started now. It's just teaching you what to do and what not to do. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. A little different than, you know, the perspective that I saw, but again, understand that you're my mom, so it's different. Yeah, but also, I'm not telling the kids to have sex, and it's, it's unrealistic of me to think that some of the kids don't want to have sex or that they're not going to have sex. So you present it in a matter to let them realize it's totally okay if you are. And if you're not, that's also totally okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So next, I wanted to ask about... Are there any words or topics that cause the most embarrassment or visible discomfort, aside, of course, from the miracle of life and the actual depiction of women going through the process of birth? Looking at sexual organs, especially the vivid, colorful ones that I show. What vivid, colorful ones? I have a picture of the female sex organ and the male sex organ. It's colorful. It's very colorful. It shows all the parts. What colors are they? Are they just like all pink? No, it's, I mean, but this, I mean, it's not black and white. Oh, okay. I (laughs) I was like, what's going on in there that I'm not aware of? It's not black and white. And so the kids, they, it doesn't take a lot for a boy to get sexually excited. From a drawing? It, it, but no, they're not drawings. They're images. They're pictures. Oh, they're okay. photographs. But it's the sex organs. So is it like the fallopian tubes and like guys are just getting all juiced no, up? No, no. You, you're actually showing the female body, the frontal view of the female body. I as, see. So, and it's not that just a talking. It's sometimes just using the words. Hmm. Just using the words. I remember I was in Toastmasters meeting once. And I gave a presentation and I used the word and a fellow in Toastmasters says, you use the word penis several times and remember that that can cause people to get excited. And these are grown what? men, <laughs> right? These are grown men. And so imagine a teenage boy. That was the feedback is like, tone it down. It's too racy. And he, he meant it in all good spirit. Wait, what was the topic of this speech? It must have been something about the high school because I remember in the speech this day I was teaching, as a matter of fact, it wasn't even sex ed, or it was some embarrassing experiences from teaching, I believe. And one of the things was I was teaching 10th graders. And as I'm teaching the 10th graders, I meant to say organism. And I know I don't pronounce that word properly, American standard, but instead I said orgasm. 
And it wasn't... The crowd goes wild. The crowd goes wild. And I wasn't teaching sex at the time. And the kids are all laughing and they go, oh, I know where her mind is and all kind of thing. And it was just so totally embarrassing. <laughs> and I just stood there, waited for them to quiet down and explain what I meant and that I, I'm not certain what happened. But yeah. Wow. Okay. So going into the STDs and STIs, I imagine that would also be something that kind of causes discomfort because it's not something people really want to focus on or really want to acknowledge, even as an adult, I would say. So how do the kids react to that unit of sex ed? They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about it. Then I have to say how important it is and I have to emphasize that if something does happen and you have any symptoms and I have to... highlight the symptoms that are associated with a lot of sexually transmitted infections that they go and seek help because some things can end up with them being infertile like for instance chlamydia if it's untreated and um, can go blind something like syphilis if it's untreated and so I have to remind them treat it like any other illness go and get help go and talk to a doctor about it and HIV too, that's particularly interesting because there are medications now that people, if they were supposed to have sex with somebody who has HIV, there is a PrEP that they can take, and I've forgotten what the full acronym stands for, that will protect them. And if they had sex with somebody who they think might have HIV, then they can also take a post-PrEP medication that prevents them from getting HIV. Okay. So from a basic standard, I think, you know, it's also important to have this refresher as an adult. Which of the STDs or STIs are curable and which are incurable? All right. So the ones that are curable are usually the bacterial ones, chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that are curable with antibiotics. Then you have HIV, which can lead to AIDS. We have herpes. That's also not curable. We have hepatitis B, and I think some people have been cured from hepatitis B and also HPV, the ones that they have now developed a vaccine for. But just remember that not all forms of the HPV virus is treatable with the vaccine. Or some of the HPV versions of the viruses, they will go away on their own and they show no symptoms. And also like hepatitis B, Some people get cured from hepatitis B, even though it's a viral infection, and some do not. It's also very important for me right now to talk about yeast infections because girls might experience yeast infections and believe that they have a disease. And I also have to bring that in that oftentimes if somebody's on antibiotic, the antibiotic would kill the bacteria in their bodies, and so the yeast will grow in their vagina and so it ends up with itching and burning and sometimes a white discharge and for them to know that this is not a sexually transmitted disease and you can easily go to the pharmacy and get over-the-counter treatment for this infection. Yeah, I think that's really important because I think it's so easy to freak out about that kind of thing. And you might not want me to tell the story, but to tell a personal story. So as you know, I don't eat pineapple because I'm kind of allergic. I don't know if allergic is the right word, but I get canker sores when I eat pineapple because it's just acidic. My body doesn't react well, whatever. So I didn't learn this until I was 22. I think I got my first canker sore and I freaked out because I was like, oh my, what is this? Like I thought it was a cold sore or something. And I remember I went to a clinic to get it checked out because I just didn't know. And so the woman at the clinic was asking me questions and she's like, are you sexually active? And I was in a relationship 
And I was like, yes, I'm in a relationship with somebody. And she asked if it was exclusive. And I said, yes. And she was like, he probably just told you that. And literally made me think that this person gave me a disease. And then the test results came back and it was nothing. And then I learned it was just a canker sore. And I was like, first of all, how horrible of you to plant that seed in my mind and make me think that I had a disease when really it's something entirely different. Well, yes, I would have preferred that story not be. (laughs) But the moral is I didn't have a disease. So I don't really get what the big deal is. Well, and the thing too is with, the um, diseases, you know, like people say, I got it from somebody, I'm going to pass it on. So I always tell the kids, that's not the right approach. You know, just get it cured and treated. And yes, a kid can easily freak out or get so worried for no reason when it's not a big deal. And as you talk about the sores, herpes simplex 1 and herpes simplex 2, where herpes simplex 1 is like a cold sore, which is not sexually transmissible. It's not sexually transmissible. It's not sexually transmitted. Those herpes viruses and the cold sores are not. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So you mentioned something that I also wanted to circle back on about how two of the STDs can cause infertility if they're not cured in time. What is the timeline for that? I'm sure it varies. Like chlamydia is a very big one. The symptoms will go away, but yes, it stays in your body. I don't know if I have a time frame for how long before it can cause you to be sterile. I also know that gonorrhea can also cause sterility. It can damage the joints. The joints? Yes, your joints. Syphilis, damage to the heart, and it can also cause blindness. Oh my God. Death to an unborn baby if you have syphilis. And syphilis can also cause brain damage uncured syphilis okay isn't there one that can also make you go crazy is that syphilis is that what the brain damage is yikes yes stay safe everybody (laughs) so that was really fascinating and i'm a little embarrassed to say that my mouth was kind of wide open during some of those statements because i'm sure at some point i knew that but i i kind of forgot about all of the adverse effects that some of those diseases can have so i imagine that is terrifying for kids who have never heard this information before It is terrifying, but like I said again, remember they have access to the internet. So they might not see all the details of it, but they are aware of some of the images Hmm. that are on the internet. And so, yes, it does scare them. So I imagine that, you know, a lot of times when high schoolers are Googling things about sex, they're not Googling STDs. They're probably Googling porn. And have you noticed that over the years since you've been teaching, increased access to porn has kind of changed the level of knowledge that your students have or the types of questions that they ask or the things that they might express interest in? Not really. What I've noticed, like, for instance, the anatomy, they don't really know the anatomy. And before we start the sex ed program, we always do a pre-test to show them, you know, the kids coming, especially the kids who are, who are already sexually active will come in and think, hey, I know everything. And so you give them a pretest and they realize, okay, you f- they fail the test. They always fail the test. What's like the average score? The average score is like, I'd say 50 and below. Wow. Because it's not just about, it's also about the anatomy and sexual transmissible infections and where sperm is created. So they don't really have the details. Mm-hmm. So no, they don't do well on the test. So then they realize they don't know as much as they think they do. Okay. 
So they kind of lose like some of the cockiness that they might have going into it. They do, but then they have the kid who I remember one year there's a kid who he was already having sexual intercourse and he kept every time I say something would be whispering to the girl to say that that's not true or whatever what? or and so the girl she would she came up to me and she said can you please change my seat wow yeah he keeps talking and i'm not interested yeah yeah good for her yeah so are there any elements from the curriculum that seem antiquated because some of the things that you described for example talking about gender identity that's very progressive but i imagine that the curriculum has some vestiges from like decades past that might not be as applicable or as relevant today is there anything that you would say doesn't really fit with the times no not really the district has gotten a lot of heat from parents because they have updated the curriculum and they have added a lot of things especially about gender identity and no i think they try to keep current the main thing would be the laws and i every time before i teach sex ed i'd go back to look for the laws, for instance, of what age is considered illegal for somebody to have a relationship mm. with somebody else. So mainly the laws I look at, but no, the district tried to do a pretty good job and they changed the curriculum a lot and they've taken out some of the anatomy, which I still teach because I know the kids don't know the anatomy. Well, and why, what anatomy did they take out? The, just the anatomy about the male and female because they're saying that the kids have been taught that in eighth grade or whatever. But they don't remember. No, they don't remember. <laughs> and so I teach it. And I teach ninth and eleventh grade. I don't like teaching the ninth grade sex ed because they're not ready. It's too quick. They just had it in eighth grade. And so here it comes again. <laughs> I have some very... Here it comes again. It's yeah. a great description. They're like, not this again. Not sex ed. And some of the kids are... Not the are, penis. And some of the kids are very religious. They come from a very religious home and they think that there's something wrong with it because their minds, their brains aren't ready as yet. Mm. And so I try to keep the sex ed for the ninth graders until just before school ends when they have at least mature and so I'm ready to, ready to appreciate and to listen to what I have to say. Hmm. And then, of course, you have the ninth grader who can't wait. <laughs> you know, who can't wait and who are in relationships. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it, it, I teach it, but I wait until it's almost the end of the school year when they're almost um, sophomores. Okay. I would say sophomore year to me seems like the best year to teach it. Just because to your point, I grade is a little young. And junior year, I would imagine, I don't know how many kids are having sex by the time they're juniors, but I imagine more kids have had sex at that point. So 10th grade would kind of be better because it's like they're a little more mature, but they haven't necessarily like had time to make their own mistakes yet. I've had 11th graders who are in relationships and I don't know how far the relationships go. I, I never question them unless they come to ask or to suggest something I, I'm not really interested. And just to sidestep a little bit, I remember I had this girl, she was so brilliant. She was so very bright. And I had a friend of mine, she literally raised this kid. She, you know, she's very good friends with his mom. And he he was a 10th grade and she was an 11th grade. And this kid was very nice. He was very polite. I liked him and I knew him from he was a kid. From he was a very small kid growing up because the teacher and I are good, good friends. And I learned that this girl was having sex with him. <laughs> and it was, 
it was just kind of weird because you don't really necessarily want to know that about the students. It's okay for them to ask questions. Yeah. And the teacher, she knew a lot about the relationship because she was trying to get the boy to settle down and focus on his schoolwork. And he wasn't doing that. But this girl was very focused. She had very high ambitions. She wants to become a doctor. But she failed the test. And she broke off the relationship. Wow. Because that's all they were doing. They so were, mature. They weren't having a relationship. I called it a relationship, but it wasn't. It was, they were getting together to have sex. Wow. I think I, I went away from the questions. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even remember what the original question was because it's interesting that you, it seems, largely didn't have to really confront your student's sexual status. Whereas for me... It didn't happen a lot, but there were two specific times where I was like, oh my gosh, this could be like a huge deal that I have to deal with down the line. Mm. And one time, one of my students who was my favorite student by the end of the year, but we hated each other at the beginning of the year. And I can say that because in May, I remember he was in my room, stayed late for tutoring, was the last student. And he's like, wow, miss, like, I never would have guessed this. And I was like, what? And he's like, you know, that you'd be my favorite teacher. Like, I used to hate you. And I didn't say this, but I was like, yeah, I didn't like you very much either. Anyway, by the time we were pretty close, I remember one day he came in. He's like, I think my girlfriend might be pregnant. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, And she wasn't. But I was freaking out because I was like, wow, that could change your life forever. What's going to happen? But I had to play it cool. Another thing that happened, I didn't tell you this, but I, my first year of teaching, I had a student who was in 10th grade. She already had a child and we became pretty close to, she was pretty quiet, but overall it was like, we, you know, we did form a pretty strong relationship. Mm -hmm. One day after school, she stays after class and she comes up to me and she's like, Miss Grant, would you drive me to Planned Parenthood? (laughs) And I was like, why? What's going on? She's like, I think I might be pregnant again. She was not. But I basically I asked her, I was like, are you sure? Have you taken a pregnancy test? All of this stuff. And she's like, I haven't. And I was like, there's a clinic here. You can go get a pregnancy test just to be sure. If you are, I will drive you to Planned Parenthood. Because I don't, I don't know. I mean, I was like, of course, if a student needs me for something like that, and she really feels like she has nobody else to go to and has to go to her teacher, it wasn't even the end of the school year. It was like a few months in. So I was like, she clearly needs it. I will help her. And thankfully, she was not pregnant. So didn't get to that. But yeah, it was a very different environment. Well, as the mature person here... First of all, there's a law that if a child wants to leave the school to go for any kind of health examination, they're allowed to go without any questions asked and without their parents being informed. And I always let kids know that, but I say the best person to tell that they're going to be disappointed, but they love you and they want what's best for you is to go with your parents. Now, if a child came to me with that situation, what I would do, I would contact the nurse and let the nurse... I think we had a nurse. You didn't have a nurse? No. My school, you remember how janky it was. Well, I would get the nurse involved, and so they're supposed to get somebody from the admin's office to take the child to the clinic, but they're supposed to stay outside. Hmm. They're not supposed to question why, and they're supposed to stay outside for the process. And yes, I had a kid one year who was pregnant. She didn't tell her parents. She told me. And every so often, I you know I let her know you have to tell her this is not something that you're going to be able to hide, right? <laughs> the jig is up at some point, right? You need to tell your parents. 
And she said, but my dad is going to kill me. I said, no, he's, he might be disappointing, but why don't you t tell your mom? And eventually she did. And because the school, you can't have pregnant kids in the school, then of course she was removed. What do you mean you can't have pregnant kids in the school? There is a school that is for kids who are pregnant. I did not know that. Yes, if they're pregnant, they're removed from the school and they have Why? to go to the school. Because they have everything set up. There's even some places for them to have the child at the school with them. There's child care wow. available at the school. I did not know that. Yeah. There's also another time when I had two kids... One was 16 and one was 15. The boy was 15. The girl got pregnant. And she stayed in the school as she showed for one reason or another. The process took longer with her. And so she was coming to school while she was pregnant. But they eventually transferred her to the school. And the boy, too, he was nervous about telling his parents. He was the one who told me. Mm. And so he said his grandmother was very disappointed and they were so much in love. They were so good and really close. And then I saw him several years later. I remember I was going into this video store just maybe four years ago. And there's this person standing up outside the store just staring at me, staring at me. And I didn't recognize him. And then I looked straight at him and then he came up to me and said, do you remember me? I am such and such. And then I asked about the girlfriend, and he said they're no longer together, mm. and she's having her second child. Oh. And he was with his other girlfriend, and with the baby who was in the car. So it's all about teaching the kids how do you protect yourself if you are ready, mm -hmm. you know, so that they don't end up being premature parents. Yeah. Or yeah. getting diseases. That is a lot for high schoolers to handle. And I think it transitions really well into the fact that you teach about healthy relationships. And I know that we have already touched on this a little bit. And I know we kind of said it's not something that can be fully taught. You kind of have to go through the experience to fully learn what it's like to have a healthy relationship, but it's still important to discuss. And so I thought it was a really standout part of the curriculum because I saw that you have a whole section of the curriculum that's about the characteristics of respectful relationships. So I thought it could be helpful to kind of go through that on the podcast and have you outline what those characteristics are. Well, some of those characteristics include, for instance, communication, which is big. What are you ready for in the relationship and, and not? And the kids get the message and they get the message because there are two videos that we show on YouTube. One is called Tea and Consent. And that's really, really funny. It's about basically not because you had tea with somebody yesterday, that doesn't mean you want tea the next day. Don't show up at somebody's house with tea expecting that they're going to want to drink tea because they drank tea with you yesterday. <laughs> The fact that somebody had tea with somebody else in a different scenario doesn't mean that they want to drink tea with you. And if you're passed out on a bed and can't say yes, then the person definitely doesn't want to drink tea then. Yeah. And it's setting boundaries and communicating. And that's the kids get that one. And another one is one about the cell phone. Hey, can I borrow your cell phone? And it's like, what do you want it for? You know, I'm going to make some calls. And as long as it's not long distance. And then she goes, can I download music? And he goes, yeah, as long as it's not disco. So you're communicating. What are the boundaries? You know, how far? And so people know exactly where you stand. And so that's really key. Yeah. You take turns listening to each other is another big one. Listening and talking through, not just one person sitting and listening to the whole time while you're talking. 
limit on time. I don't want to spend every single day with you necessarily. I don't necessarily want to go to the mall with you while you go to Victoria's Secret or whatever. <laughs> Sometimes I go to Victoria's Secret and I would see the guys just sitting there. And that happens at all ages. Like that it, happens to grown men as well. It it does too. But I just want to let you know the fact that somebody doesn't want to share that experience doesn't mean it's not a problem. It's it, right that it's a problem. Doing things for each other, balance doing things for each other. We play around and have fun more than we argue and fight. That's a a good sign of a good relationship. We enjoy spending time with each other's friends and families. And I find even from high school, if everybody thinks that the person is a jerk. Mm. Honestly, yes. And without diving into it, we've talked about it on this podcast before. I have experienced that as an adult. So, yes, very important to remind kids from that about an early age. Yeah, but that usually what it does instead it pushes the kids closer. If the parents are not liking or thinking that there's something wrong, that this is not a good match for you. Parents, yes. But I feel like once your friends are like, oh my God, I don't want to hang out with him. That's a sign. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We feel confident and supported by one another. We are not put down. There are no negative words. Those are another signs that things are not the right match. I think it was Goodwill Hunting I heard this mm. really cheese is that nobody's perfect. But the thing is, are we perfect for each other? That is cute. So, yeah, I, I like that. It's a little cheesy. I know, but I like it. I mean, it's my favorite movie, so I like it too. Yeah. Um, we make decisions together on how we spend our time. We take responsibility for our own behavior. We don't blame other people. You made me do it. Whatever, we take responsibility. And we trust each other because we're always honest. If you can't trust somebody and thinking that you need to be around them all the time, that's a big red flag. Right? Yeah. If you think that somebody's going to be flirting or... I mean, not even flirting so much because flirting is a natural kind of response sometimes even when you are very much in love with the person you're dating. But if you don't trust somebody and think that they might be trying to date somebody else while you are dating them, then that becomes an issue. Yeah. And I really wanted to highlight those because I think that they are so important to remember at every age. Because even if you are an adult who's had multiple successful relationships, it can be easy to fall into a toxic relationship where one or more of those red flags are raised and you just don't know because you're not reflecting on things and you're just in love with the person. And I think it's just important to ingrain those values into students at a young age because it's something that is relevant at any stage. Yep. And I remember there's a girl in my class. She was sick for part of the time and she was in the advanced bio class and then she came back and she was dating this guy and I, I really liked her and I really liked the guy. He was so funny. <laughs> and then I'm teaching in the front of the class one day and the girl who is dating, she's in the front seat. He's a little bit at an angle to her. And then there's another girl at a different, a slightly different angle and they are winking at each other and... <laughs> <laughs> and I realized, wait a minute, something is up here. Oh my gosh. But I, I didn't say anything. I just, I ignored it. It's, it, it. They have to work this out. And then after the girlfriend graduated, she came back to visit and I asked her, how is your relationship? And she said, we're no longer together. She said, I cannot believe I trusted that. And she, <laughs> I cannot believe I trusted him. And I didn't tell, and she and she said, do you know that he was at the same time dating X, Y, or Z? And it was that same girl? It was that same girl. No! I, I, didn't, I didn't say I knew or anything. I just oh. said, I'm sorry. 
That's horrible. Um, I actually, and I even ran into him. He was driving his car and I was walking and he's waving one day and saying, hi, hi, and, but no. You I flipped him off. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. You know, it's teenagers and they f- they're figuring this out. They have to figure this out by themselves. I can't interject. There's also another time when these are 10th graders and this girl, they were dating <laughs> and they broke up and she was sitting a couple of seats behind him and they were in the same class and Every day she'd come to class and just cry. No, and cry. that's so sad. And then I had to change the seat. <laughs> I had to put her so to the front and him to the back. Oh my God. She's just crying and I'm trying to tell her, you know, it's going to be hard, but you will get over this <laughs> soon. You just have to get through the heart broken stage. But yeah. Oof. Yeah, I mean, nothing is going to make someone want to get back with you less than just seeing you cry all the time, unfortunately. Well, he was in the front, but she was, and I'm sure she probably would, would be approaching him outside too because she was really, I don't know why she was just crying so much, and, but she was a 10th grader. How so. long did they date? I don't know. I don't know how long they dated. I don't remember. Hmm. Wow. Heartbreak is rough, no matter what age you are. <laughs> Well, just one of the dating story. There's this girl and there's a boy. I didn't have a boy in my class, but she was also a 10th grader. And she had been dating him since she was in 8th grade. Mm-hmm. And eventually his parents moved him to Texas. And he came back every opportunity he could. He came back for every single dance. Wow. Every single thing. And he wanted to live in San Diego with a friend and his mom wouldn't let him. And when she graduated from high school, she went to Texas. What? Are they still together? I have no idea. This was maybe, this was a few years ago. I don't know. Yeah, but they were, I don't know. Maybe it's one of those relationships where people met from school and marry and live happily ever after for the rest of their lives. Yeah. That would be very nice. It, it, that, that's, that's nice. <laughs> I mean, the, I don't want to say cynical, the more pragmatic part of me is thinking that seems a little extreme for someone who you start dating in eighth grade but maybe it's a true love story and i hope they're very happy together today yeah i have a picture of them in my classroom she gave me their prom pictures together so i have it in my room that's nice yeah wow well i think that ending on the healthy relationships is a great way to wrap it up but i wanted to end with a segment about Questions that we should know the answer to, but might not. And I imagine these are things that high schoolers definitely don't know the answer to. But to be honest, not every adult knows the answer to these as well. And so what better place to get this information than from a high school biology teacher who has taught sex ed for many years? Okay, let's hear it. All right. The first question. What is the real science behind blue balls? Blue balls. Well... Like when I'm teaching my classes, the kids have to use the correct terminology. They have to... <laughs> what is the correct terminology for blue balls? Epididymal hypertension. Wow. Epididymis is connected to the upper part of the testicles. And it's from there that the vast difference is section where the sperm runs through. So it's called epididymal hypertension. <laughs> and what it is, is when men or boys have urges for sex and so the blood rushes into the epididymis but they don't have any release any relief for it they didn't orgasm or they didn't have sex and so the blood builds up and adds pressure in the testicles and it is said that it can be painful but it doesn't last because at some point the urge is going to go away yeah 
And I, I remember this in, I went to a Catholic school in Jamaica and I remember the nun, the nun taught sex ed. So imagine a nun teaching <laughs> sex ed. And she said that men will tell you that it hurts when they have the urge, but don't believe them. It's just a way for you to give in to have sex. Did the nun say blue balls? Or no, did she, she say epigenital no, hypertension? She didn't use either term. She just said, they will tell you that it hurts and it's painful. Mm. But not to believe them. Yeah. And I should put change it a little bit. I went to this Catholic school. Her sisters were the head mistress of the school. And she, even though she was very religious and a part of the church, she was married. She, okay. She was married, but she was extremely religious. She was married with two... So she, like, knows what she's talking about. Maybe. maybe <laughs> but she's also... I remember she was a little bit more religious. Mm-hmm. And she had two children. They were so attractive. The girls and the boy... Oh, I went to an all-girls Catholic school, and every girl in this school was literally in love oh, wow. with him. I mean, what a great way to meet women. It's like your mom teaches at this all-girls school, and like all of the girls are just lusting after you. Well, I met him later on, many years later on. In, I was still in Jamaica. I was at the hospital. I was, they were checking my heart, I remember. And here he comes. And I was so surprised that he <laughs> even knew who I was. And he the doctor's like, me. why is your heart rate suddenly elevated? <laughs> well, <laughs> he became a priest. So <laughs> <sighs> Hundreds of hearts broke across Jamaica. Yeah, he was really a decent, he was such a decent fellow. He was really nice, decent, respectable fellow. Mm. Yeah. That's too bad. Yeah. One more question about epididymal hypertension. It has its street name, Blue Balls. Why Why blue? Why blue? Blue is associated with the lack of oxygen. Oh. So when, like, for instance, they'll talk about blue babies, if they don't get oxygen, if they don't start breathing oxygen right away, they go blue and it's a lack of oxygen. So the blue ball, and it doesn't make any sense that it would be lack of oxygen because if there's a concentration of blood in the testicles, then that should mean that there's lots of oxygen because that's how oxygen is transported in the body. So blue balls, I'm not certain why blue balls. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Mysterious. Yeah. The next question I have, how exactly does a vasectomy work? Well, all a vasectomy does, it cuts off the sperm from traveling from the testicles to get to the urethra, which is the tube through which the sperm and also where urine comes from. So there are two tube-like structures that runs from the testicles on either side. Mm -hmm. And so as they run, they take sperm because sperm is created in the testicles and the sperm travels through there. So doctors can clip them or cut them or tie them. Mm -hmm. And so the sperm cannot get through. And so when the man ejaculates, all that is, is, I'm assuming there's no sperm in it because the sperm cannot travel through. Mm. Nowadays, it can, usually they were considered permanent, but now it can be reversed. Yes. Yes. I think for anyone who's a fan of The Office, there's that episode where Mm. Michael is like confronting Jan at the dinner party and he's just like, you know how painful it is to get a vasectomy reversed? Like snip, snap, snip, snap. (laughs) So good to know that 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 The Office was accurate about that. Okay, good. Okay, next question. How do you, as a female, know or track when you're ovulating? 
on average, the female menstrual cycle is 28 days long and it starts from day one. So they use day one as the first day of your period and the average woman will have a period for anywhere about five days. It can be less, it can be more. So the menstrual cycle runs for 28 days, smack in the middle at about 14 days is when there's the egg is released. So to clarify, like nine days after your cycle ends, give or take, is when you ovulate? For the most part, yes, on average. And the thing is, it's easy to know if you're ovulating because that's when the woman will have the most sexual urge. She has urges to have sex and nature created it that way so that there's a chance that the woman will have sex and become pregnant. In other animals, some of them are in heat, lack of a better way of saying it, just a few times a year. Like for instance, is it a lamb? And the females are in heat just once a year. Wow. And so it's rough to be a male lamb. Yes, they're literally fight to the death. Oh my god. And whoever wins get to mate with the female. And then they have to go and wait for another year and hope for their chance. Oh my gosh. Talk about epididymal hypertension. <laughs> well, nobody I guess is studying it. <laughs> to see what is happening with them. But yes, so you know because you have a greater urge for sex and some people have a greater desire for sweets. They get cravings. Oh, really? Yes. I, that's tough. Like, what if you always are craving sex and sweets? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're always craving sex and sweets, well, luckily we have so many ways of making certain that we don't get pregnant if we're not ready. And yeah, just know when is the most likely time that you can get pregnant of course some people talk about the withdrawal method that is not so it's not very it's not recommended it's not recommended (laughs) because yes sometimes a sperm can be released even before the man ejaculates so it's not a good practice the chance of getting pregnant is high yeah yeah careful So the next question is, are STDs contagious when someone is not showing symptoms? So for example, if you have herpes, but you have not had an outbreak, is it safe to have unprotected sex? Yes. They say that if you're not shedding, which is a term leading up to the outbreak, then yes, you can have unprotected sex and not get the disease from your partner. Nowadays, too, they're saying that even if you don't have symptoms, some of the sexually transmissible infections, like chlamydia, is one of the number one sexually transmissible infections on college campuses. Mm. And there's now saying that even if you don't have symptoms, that you can pass the disease on. So like I said, they keep changing the rules and changing how you can transmit these diseases. So now they're saying that, yes, some you can pass on. So just wear a condom. So be safe. Yes, we are a condom. Okay, so this next question, based on my first question about glue balls, um, I'm guessing there's another name for this. So I'm going to ask, what causes morning wood? And also, what is its Christian name, if not morning wood? Morning wood. Morning wood is just the erection. And I'm trying to think of another name for it. Because usually what happens with what you call morning wood is nocturnal emissions, where men will have what they call wet dreams. So I think it's just, I'm trying to think if there's another name for it. And I can't think it's just erections while you're sleeping. And again, there are all kinds of theories. And doctors haven't really proven any one of them. But a couple of things, for instance, 
testosterone levels are highest while you're sleeping. And really? So that's what the scientists think. And so therefore, you have a tendency to have an urge. They're also suggesting that while you're sleeping, even though you're semi-conscious, if somebody were to brush against you like a wife or somebody, then that could also trigger a erection while you're sleeping. Mm. It's also seemed to be most popular like during REM sleeping when you have those vivid dreams. And so men can wake up with erect penises. Now, as you get older, you can still get them, but they seem to decrease with age. But it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you or that you're a pervert again, because some kids might think, oh, what's wrong with me? I'm always thinking about sex. So a couple follow-up questions. You mentioned that testosterone levels are highest when you're sleeping. Does that also translate to estrogen levels? No. Estrogen levels? No, I don't remember ever hearing that. And as much as people don't know that, the clitoris is the female version of the penis. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that women are necessarily waking up with erect clitoris. Clitoris? (laughs) <laughs> Clitoris, clitoris is, I don't know, clit in the mornings. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And then my second follow-up question to that. So I think anyone who's seen The 40-Year-Old Virgin to reference that yet again, in the opening scene with Steve Carell, it's famous where, you know, he wakes up with morning wood and then he goes to the bathroom and he has to lean down so that he can still aim into the toilet while he has this erection. But I have heard that you can't pee while you have a boner. So which is correct? Well, I think the more correct thing is that sperm and urine won't be released at the same time. Yes. Mm. So I think that's that's a bigger issue that you can't have sperm because there's a valve that closes off so somebody can't urinate. But as a kid, I remember um, hearing men say otherwise that they can urinate while they're having sex. Ew. Why did they know that? You know, you always have unscrupulous people. Who is doing that? Unscrupulous people, I guess. That people is who are... a monster. Yes. So, wow. Um, yeah. Moving on. So, next question I have. I actually think we kind of addressed this, is what is the average penis size? But based <laughs> on the wooden penis, it sounds like six inches. The kids will ask. That's one question that the guys like to ask. <laughs> Right, and who has a larger penis, you know? And do they um, talk about that amongst themselves? Yes, they do. Wow, they do. The average size in America, if I remember correctly, they would say four to six inches. Is that erect or not erect? I would imagine that that would be erect. Four inches. Okay, I'm sorry to to shame anybody, but that (laughs) seems on the smaller side. And four to six is a wide range. So then, is five just the average? Every time the kids would ask this question and I'd try to give them a correct answer, then that's what I came across, four to six inches. Wow. Okay. Okay. So then the last question, we kind of touched upon this with clitorises versus clitori. What is the scientific plural of penis? Is it penises or is it peni? I've never heard of a peni. (laughs) So I guess it must be penises. I've never heard anyone say peni. Well, now you have. Yeah, so it must be penises, but who knows the rules and the laws and everything's changing all the time, so it could become peanut. Yeah, who knows? Who yeah. knows? Wow. Well, I think that this was hopefully educational for everybody, and I wanted to give you the opportunity to make any closing remarks. You know, the sex ed program, it's interesting, and the kids, 
Next to genetics, I would say that this is the most fun for them. Not fun so much that they pay the most attention. They pay attention to sex ed and they pay a lot of attention in genetics. And it's interesting. And one of the things to remember in high school is, for instance, we have some people who are looking for love. And I, I say this to the class every time. I would say, be careful how you name people or say bad things about them. There's a girl who was known, she had a very hoarse voice. And people believe that all oh, because, you know, the guys and everybody made fun. The teachers knew, the counselors knew, everybody knew that because of what she was doing in the bathroom with the guys was the reason why her voice was hoarse. I always remind the kids that, you know, sometimes a girl is looking for love because she doesn't have it at home or whatever. And so she will have relationship with one guy and so she gets particularly clingy. And so she moves on to somebody else. And so that person gets clingy again and the person ends the relationship. And so she gets passed around because the guys will talk and they know exactly what she's looking for and how to get her. And it doesn't necessarily mean that she's, you know, don't call her any names. She's just looking for something that is not being offered. And she'll be kind. Be nice to people. If you're breaking up with them, you're not dumping them. You're breaking up. It's time to move on. Be respectful. Communicate. And um, there are plenty of fish in the sea. Sometimes it takes a while for you to find that fish, but there are plenty of people you can meet. That's true. That's true. Great advice. And thank you so much. I think that people will really enjoy this episode and I hope that people have learned something. And if anyone has follow-up questions that they would like me to pass along to my mom, happy to do so. And if that is the case, you can find my podcast at Interstates and Heartbreak on Instagram, all spelled out. And you can find me at Leslie Nope. That's L-E-S-L-I-E-G-N-O-P-E. Thanks, Mom. Thank you for having me. Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.